on my list that I didn't use, I haven't used, I'm using it today. One is because it was way too long to write out. I write them out first, and then I type them up. And I didn't want to write out the 27th chapter of the book of Acts. So I just, <laughs> I'll refer to that one later. And it's important to, to consider, this was written for us, for our admonition, that we can find comfort in the scriptures and find hope. As you read, and I'm not going to look at all of all the verses, and I'll refer to several of them along the way. But I want you to think, here we have who speaking. We have the Apostle Paul, a man chosen by God to be his vessel. A man who was told, even when he was chosen, that he was going to suffer many things for the kingdom's sake. But here we have a man of God, chosen by God, to be his vessel to the world. We have a man of God who had supernatural abilities to perform miracles, to receive and to relay God's message to mankind. He knows whom he is serving. He is convinced that God is able to keep his soul until that day. And then you read chapter 27 of the book of Acts. And you notice, or you need to notice, how Paul expresses what happened. Find out where I put them. Read a lot better. They decided to go to Italy after they told out what's going to be the case. And it's interesting that as you read, you have to read because as, it's, I, as, as I had titled it, Where Was God? And for us, where is God? Where was God as Paul begins to make this journey to Rome? What is his thinking as he's making the plans or as the plans are being made for the journey? And it's interesting as you read through because he is writing this part from a human perspective. It was decided. Who? Decided by God and Paul? It was decided by those who were going to be taking Paul that they need to begin to make the trip. And that is, they begin to make the trip. They run into problems along the way. Verse 7 talks about that there was difficulty that the wind was not permitting them to proceed. But it's verse 10 is one of those interesting verses in Acts 27. Paul talks about it and he says that he perceived. Who? God perceived? No, Paul perceived. Paul's thinking. You cannot live the human life without being a human being. You relate to the circumstances in which you find yourself. You understand God is in control, but you still have to live the life here. And you have to live it in the circumstances in which you find yourself. And Paul is saying, I perceived that this voyage is going to end in disaster. 
Because as it started out, it wasn't a calm trip. They had their plans, and the plans were altered because of the weather and the time frame in the year, or the time of the year in which they were beginning to travel. I perceive that this voyage is going to end in disaster. There's going to be much loss of the cargo, of the ship, and what? And our, our lives. They can't be using an editorial R, I don't know. But he may be including himself in that thought. I perceive, he could have said, I perceive that there's going to be loss of your lives. But he didn't say there's going to be loss of your lives. He said there's going to be loss of our lives. Where was God? Where God has always been. He has not changed. He is still in control. There's a plan that he has that man has not been able to see yet. There's a, excuse me, there's a lot going on in this 27th chapter of Acts that is simply a reminder to us of how little human beings actually have control over the circumstances in which they find themselves. And if we're not careful, we let the mind be controlled by the circumstances rather than letting the mind be controlled by our Father who is in heaven, who knows exactly where his children are. He knows us inside out, knows our thoughts before we think them, knows our words before we speak them. Knows the very number of hairs on our head, which doesn't take long for some of us to have them counted. But he knows who we are, without a doubt. Where is he? He's there. Where are we? Where are we oftentimes looking? We're looking around. We have never seen a situation as we have as we have seen in our lives. We hear that over and over again. We'll look a bit more at that one this evening as well. But it's a thought that is involved as I read this 27th chapter, where as I was looking at it, I said, wow, I hadn't seen some of this before. I've read it, yes. I've read it numerous times. I've preached from it. I've studied from it. But then as I was going back through it, because of the situation in which we find ourselves, some of the verses and some of the expressions were beginning to stick out. Is that not life? Have you not read verses all of your life and then because of a circumstance in which you find them yourself, all of a sudden it takes on, whoa! <laughs> uh, I, hadn't, I hadn't seen that before. It has a different meaning to me now because of what I've gone through. But to put that trust in God, the loss of life, Verse 12, you're in the decision and you're deciding or it's being decided, what are we going to do now? We're having troubles. Should we put into a port? But the port is set for to spend the winter there and whatever else be, be involved. And the majority, isn't that how life works? <laughs> the majority decide we need to sell off. 
We just need to keep on going. You ever been in situations like that? What are we doing? I don't know. We're lost, but we'll sure make a good time. I don't know where we're going to end up, but we're on our way, and we're not going to change. The majority decided we need to move on. The majority? Who was the majority in this case? Ship's captain? The owner? The passengers on board? Paul and his company? Who's in the majority? And who gets to go along at times of what the majority decides? What do we see going on today? All of a sudden we're hearing more and more people saying, Hey, hey, this is enough. I want my freedom. And I'm going to protest so I get to do what I want to do. And everybody around here agrees with me. So let the majority rule. Open the company up, or the country up. Let us take our chances. Somebody gets it and dies, that's their fault. Interesting, always through all of this, is trying to figure out how it all works together. You ever considered how fragile life is? My grandfather on my mother's side was born in New Hampshire. My grandmother on my mother's side was born in Florida. That grandmother and that grandfather met in California, where my mother was born. My grandfather on my daddy's side was born in West Virginia. My mother on my daddy's side was born in Missouri. Daddy was born in, or was born in Kansas. I met my mother in California. We're talking about over a hundred and well, just for my dad and my mom, over a hundred years. Put my grandparents in there, you're about 150, 160 years down the road. How many things could have happened? I mean, what was involved for a gal from Florida to meet a, gal, a guy from New Hampshire to meet him in California and, and to, to meet and, and to marry? Anything along the way could have changed that outcome, could it not? Wouldn't have been here. <laughs> we don't know how things are going to work out. I'm saying that to say for those, well, let's let, let somebody die. You never know whose life has been spared as to what they will be able to do as time unfolds. And it's interesting to see those interactions that take place. You read about the two nurses that are, have met recently where the older nurse took care of the younger nurse when she was a, a baby and had a disease. Helped save her life. And then years later, they're able to meet together. You never know. Ours is trusting God. Yes, we make decisions. Yes, the decisions we make have the impact on the lives of others. Sometimes it's in a negative way. Sometimes it's a loss of life. But also by taking precautions. You never know what will take place. 
and who it is that whose life was spared because I chose to refrain from being careless and where I go, but somebody's life may be spared that will do great things down in time. Do we trust God? The majority decided it's time to move on. They move in verse 14 to the tempest, uh, to the tempest wind that, uh, headwind that arises. They decide to let the trip, the, the ship drive. It was tossed. The tackle was thrown overboard. Let's read down through the, look at what they're going through. As you look at what they are going through, as you look at what they're doing, have in your mind what's in their mind as they do that. You're talking about sailors. You're talking about those who have been on the sea and they're understanding what the wind condition is and they understand what is happening as that ship is being tossed to and fro. They understand the need for them to unload the ship's tackle. Now I know what that's going to mean. In an effort to try to spare their lives. All because somebody decided the majority, it's time for us to sail. Even though we know it's past time to sail, we're going to sail because we need to, to move on within our lives. Latter part of verse 20. All hope that we would be saved was finally given up. And again, the editorial we, it doesn't matter. Paul is writing and Paul is saying, finally we gave up hope that our life would be spared. What had Paul been told previously? What had the Lord told him on that road to Damascus? Paul is going to learn many things that he must suffer. Later on he's going to learn that he is, <coughs> excuse me, he is going to go to Rome to bear witness to the Gentiles there. And yet he had said in verse 10, our lives may be lost. It's in verse 20. All hope that we would be saved was finally given up. They'd been without food, hadn't eaten. <coughs> and Paul says, you, you should have listened to me. God comes out, does it? Told you not to do this. But he's caught up in it as well. You live life. There may be a storm raging around us. We respond to the storm in which we are in. But as we respond to the storm in which we are in, do we keep our focus on God who is above? Knowing that he is in control. Knowing that he knows what is going on. And that he has a purpose as things will unfold if we put the trust in him. Paul finally concludes in verse 22 that there would be no loss of life. <coughs> then the angel of the Lord would remind him. But for 14.9 verse 27, 14 nights, nights they were driven in that, in that storm. I haven't been on any storms on the sea or even on a lake. It's kind of hard to imagine what it would be like to be 14 nights in a storm-driven ship. And they're not huge 
were not huge in those days as compared to what the ships are today. To be tossed about. The sailors were seeking to escape in verse 30. Verse 34, Paul makes the statement, they need to take nourishment. Not a hair will fall from the head of any of you. Again, 10, 20. Look at those verses. See the change along the way. Here's what's going to happen. We're going to lose life. We're going to lose our life. But the angel of the Lord, as God said in Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6, the Lord himself has said what? I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you, says the Lord. If the Lord is for us, what can man do to us? The Lord has said, I will never leave you. You may be in a temptation or a temperate storm. May have trials and tribulations surrounding you, abounding about you, that you can become discouraged that we're not careful, that we can let what we see with the physical eye cloud what we need to see with the spiritual eye. God knows exactly what I'm going through. God knows exactly the strength that I have, which is, in most cases, greater than I want to acknowledge. You ever thought about that? I cannot handle that. Oh, yes, you can. How many storms have you gone through in our life where we find out, I don't know how to handle this, and you find out, yes, you do, you do, you trust God. He's seen you through. Go back to what I said earlier, what the Bible teacher said to the preacher boys, remember who you preach for. Remember whose you are. Remember who you call Father. That makes a difference in the life that you live if you remember who the Father is. It finishes up, or as it goes on down there in verse 42, the, the soldiers whose job was to deliver the prisoners to the emperor or to the one in charge there in Rome the soldiers were wanting to kill the prisoners because that was their responsibility. If any prisoner escaped under the, the guard of the soldier, the soldier lost his life. So to preserve his life, his thought was kill the prisoners. Don't let any of them escape. The ship's going to be wrecked. They're going to scatter. <laughs> They're going to go everywhere. We're going to lose them, and then we're going to lose our life. But they were kept from doing that because the centurion wanted to save Paul in verse 43. That's an interesting one too, is it not? Here you have a ungodly, to whatever degree that may or may not be, an ungodly Roman soldier, a centurion over a hundred men, who because of one man, because of one man, chooses to spare the lives of how many men? 276 on board. 
do not take his life or do not take their life. The impact of one. You never know how that works. And in the life that we live, we never know how that works. The impact of one person, one decision, can change and alter the course of life itself down from that moment on. A word spoken can change the course of life. A deed done can change the course of life. An action taken can strengthen a soul that was negative when it was done. But one learned to draw positive results from it. Not a soul would be lost. And then in verse 46, 44, they all escaped safely to land. Reread the chapter. I mean, it is a powerful chapter to read. Read it with that understanding. Where was God in all of this? God is where he's always been. And God has always watched over his people. Isn't that not, is that not what the scriptures teach you? Do they not teach you that God has always watched over his people? He has always cared for them. He has always made provisions. Yes, they lost lives along the way. Read the end of chapter 11 of Hebrews 35 and following. Yes, they were sold in two. They were fed to the wild beasts. They went around in the desert destitute. But God called them his children. He cared for them. Maybe not in a way that we would want to be cared for. But if God is caring for you, what do you want? What do you want if God is caring for you? Well, I want that life of ease. It's not here. The life of ease is in heaven. That's the life of ease that I want. I want that glorious home in heaven with God one day. And how will I live my life in order for that to be the case? Come to Jesus. He will save you. Again, is that not a comforting thought? I can leave a life of turmoil as I look around again in the world and see what's going on and all the anxiety that is there, all the articles you read about how do you handle this, what's going on so you can have peace. If I come to Jesus, he will save. He saves me from my sins. Well, look tonight. You hear me say, we haven't seen anything like this on the earth. And we'll look out of Second Peter 3 this evening. They forget several factors that need to be considered. But come to Jesus, he will say, that's our hope. That's reward we have to have forgiveness of sins, through repentance of them, the confession that Jesus is Lord, 
the willingness to obey him in baptism for the remission of those sins, to be raised up and to walk in a newness of life. That can be ours. For most of us, that is what we have. And as it is what we have, do not forget what you have. How real is Psalm 122.1? I was glad when they said unto me, let us go up into the house of the Lord together. Here. Blessing to see each one of you. But more than that, I want to see the blessing of us in heaven. If you need to make a change in your life, if we could assist you, if we could help you in any way, then indeed we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.